and welcome to another of my dental business transaction podcasts. And today I have pleasure in introducing best-selling author and sales coach, Justin Lee of Focus for Growth. Justin, welcome. Thank you, Lily. Thank you for having me to join you today. I'm really delighted to be here. It's lovely to speak to you. So for the uninitiated, let's talk about, first of all, about your background. Mm. So yeah, my background, believe it or not, Lily, so 30 years ago, I became a dental technician. That was the first career I embarked on. So I was a dental technician for around four and a half years. I served an apprenticeship, qualified, and then realized it wasn't the career for me. So I very quickly, post-qualification, left the laboratory and went to become a dental sales representative. And I spent probably 18 months working for the first company I worked for, a retail-based distributor. Most people will know them, based in Dundee. And I was there yeah, about 18 months, and that first 18 months was a real baptism of fire. So I learned how to kind of engage with dentists and customers and laboratories, and it was quite interesting with a territory-based role. Uh, after 18 months, I then decided that um, I was ready to take on a new challenge, and I moved to Dentsply as a sales, sales representative on a larger territory, kind of on the manufacturing side. And then in 99, I joined 3M. I was with 3M for 18 years and I started in their dental business, but it was at 3M where I managed uh, to have a career outside of dentistry. So I moved into a medical devices business for them and was a, a sales manager at first. Then I went across to lead a business for them. It was a, a, like an IT accessories business. Um, after that, I managed a commercial graphics and films business. Uh, beyond that, a health information systems business for 3M. And then my final role with them was as general manager for their medical solutions division. So it's quite the biggest, or well, at the time, their largest uh, division in the UK. So I was their general sales and marketing manager. And then at the end of 2017, I kind of had enough of the corporate world and realised that I'd like to do something for myself. So I left 3M, set up uh, my own business, which is Focus for Growth, and I retrained as an executive coach. And originally, I was just going to do senior leader coaching, you know, executive coaching. And I, I did that for probably uh, a year. And, that, and all the time I was working with those clients, they were asking about my background and saying, oh, you're doing, you know, you've got a lot of experience in selling and coaching. And, you know, would you run a program for my team? And so I ended up uh, kind of through my clients' requests, building sales training programs, building coaching training programs. And there were some models there that I'd been kind of working on myself in the background uh, in my in the past. So I pulled them together and and be, you know, before you knew it, I was running training programs for organizations. And um, as you know, I, you'll know this, I'm sure, Lily, from your, your experience, dentistry has a way of kind of pulling good people back. And, and I've got to the point now where, where about 80% of my clients are in the dental markets, either dental professionals or their dental companies. And actually, in kind of late 2020, I made the decision to focus entirely on the dental market. So I'm really focused on not just uh, dental companies supplying to the market, but also I'm working with some large practice groups as well, just teaching their practice leaders, uh, TCOs, that some of the principles that we know work for sales teams and are really effective in the dental environment as well. Talking about consultative sales training and coaching leadership programs. I'm going to touch upon a couple of things you said shortly, but it's interesting. You said you you ended up focusing solely on the dentistry because, as I said to you when we first met, Justin, I started out doing healthcare, uh, started off with eye surgeons, and then it dentistry, yes. 
veterinary and optical. But it was mm. after about 10 years that it was the dentistry, the site, the cream that rose to the top. It was the one that I enjoyed. It was certainly mm. the most challenging, but it was the one that I've now been in the industry for for 17 years. So it's quite, mm. we have quite similar paths, don't we? Yes, um, we do. Yes, we do. So just a, just a question to clarify, obviously, you do consultative sales training mm -hmm. and you do coaching leadership training programs. So in very simple mm. terms, just explain the difference between the two. Let's kick off with mm. consultative sales training. So I, actually, the two programs I run kind of kind of mirror my career. When I left the laboratory and went into sales, I spent I said I spent the first 18 months uh, on a retail sales territory. Well, I was I wasn't trained in that period of time to to sell. Nobody taught me how to sell. So I made a lot of mistakes in the first couple of years as a salesperson. And then I learned the principles of taking a consultative sales approach, which is basically to park myself for the first encounter with a customer, not think about what I'm trying to promote or push towards them, but actually to get really curious about them, to understand their business, understand their needs, understand what they're looking to achieve, understand the problems they face, understand what they've tried, understand what's worked, what hasn't, and ask lots of really good questions that build trust and get the customer to actually start to examine for themselves what they're really looking for. And it's only at that point that you then start to have a conversation about what you can provide. And that is a consultative way to have a, a sales conversation. Now, that works not only in the sales environment, but it works in practice as well. So as clinicians having conversations with patients, rather than immediately talking about treatment options, what's, what's proven is that by taking a consultative approach, really understand what the patient's looking for, understand the patient's needs, then by doing that first, you're much more informed when you're able to then talk about treatment solutions and treatment options. And it sounds like such an obvious thing, yeah. but actually when we become experts in what we do, when we have a lot of knowledge, skills and experience, we start to make presumptions. We start to kind of talk to people um, early, too early on in the consultative conversation and, and almost present our ideas and recommendations before the patients have the chance or the customers have the chance to really tell us what they're looking for. So that consultative selling approach is a really important principle and important kind of structure to get in place for higher quality conversations. So we, we really kind of go deep into that as, as a cycle. And I've got a model that I teach customers that's really powerful in helping them to remember the structure of that conversation. So that's consultative selling. Um, in, in a nutshell, and yep. then Good. from the other, so once I'd once I'd learned to sell uh, as a salesperson on a territory, it really changed my performance. And I was in sales then for about uh, five or six years, and then I became a sales leader, and um, beyond there, a business leader. And one of the things that I noticed, I've, I kind of had the same issues as a sales leader early on as I did as a salesperson early on, and that was that uh, I was trying to tell people what to do. And they didn't like it. <laughs> and so it, it, it kind of took me a little while. Like you're, you're, you're thinking, I know, Lily, he's, he's not a very fast learner. <laughs> he makes the same mistakes over and over again. Um, and we do, you know, as human beings, we do. But what I learned was that by as soon as I was taught the, the, the leadership style of coaching, 
So it's very similar to consultative conversations. It's about getting curious about the other person, understanding what they need in order to unlock motivation, being able to communicate clearly with them and then ask them questions about what they've understood, what action they'll take, holding them accountable to results and to start to think about how they're going to improve performance. And using that coaching approach so that actually the change from the person I'm leading and managing comes from the inside out and I'm not trying to force it from the outside in. And it takes longer in the early stages of leadership and management, but the results are much more sustainable. And if and it was one of the bit, you know, I had a couple of very big light bulb moments in my career. The first was learning to take a consultative approach in sales conversations. The second was to take a coaching approach in leadership situations. And those two transformations in my approach really made such a difference, such an impact to the results that I got, the performance that I saw and the, and the growth of businesses and teams. So they're the two areas where, because they've been so impactful for me and I've practiced them for, for many years, I've actually developed programs and models now to be able to teach my clients uh, to, to have the same breakthroughs. That's cool. Thank you for explaining mm -hmm. that very clearly. Um, do you find that the two approaches that you offer your clients, do you, do, does it make big differences to your client's way of thinking, their way of life, peace mm -hmm. of mind? Uh, and what's your ideal mm -hmm. client? Who Great is your questions. ideal client, rather? <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's start at the beginning. Um, in terms of the changes, one, one of the first things that we cover when I run programs with clients is mindset. So you talked about, does it change their confidence? Uh, we actually look at a number of proven uh, psychology principles that enable us to better manage ourselves, understand how the mind works, understand how to direct and focus the mind, and really start to build our own self-confidence, self-belief, and and the approach that we know we're going to take that under, underpins high performance. So mindset's really important. And, and just that, those foundational steps, those stages where we start to help people understand how the mind works, why it's important that we harness and focus it and how that can be something that, they, that they're more intentional about, the, the way that they manage themselves first. That is, is for, very, for very many people, really, really impactful because a lot of people find themselves on autopilot. <clears throat> They'll just do the things they do over and over again. And yeah. uh, early in my career, I did the same. I, back in 2005, I trained as an NLP practitioner, and NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. It kind of it's a it's a series of principles that show you how the mind works, how that how that kind of influences and impacts our behaviours and our experience of the world, and how once we start to change and shape that, actually our our self belief, our ability, and our performance really does kind of elevate. So we, we teach those principles early on. And that really does make a difference for a lot of people who perhaps have suffered with you know, low self-esteem or low self-confidence early in their careers or, or in their roles. So, so that's a really important part of it. Um, and beyond that, then we start to talk about the skills that need developing. Uh, things like questioning skills things like listening skills and listening sounds like such it will you know sounds like such a simple thing to do but when you look at some of the statistics behind listening it's it's easy to understand why it's so difficult very often we get in our own way and we're so interested in our our own perspectives and our own kind of opinions that actually it almost blinds us or blinkers our ability to listen so we, we look at those skills that are important as part of the approach and then of course uh, one of the things that I I'm very keen on is structure and systems. So we teach clients 
a structure that enables them to reproduce results, reproduce conversations, reproduce leadership impact over and over again, so that they, they become more, they feel a greater sense of control in those situations that gives them confidence. And as you get this, you, know, you get those three things working together, the, the right mindset, developing the right skills, and then following the right structure and systems, as people kind of almost use that over and over again, their confidence grows, their, their performance improves, that grows their confidence further, they're able to reproduce results. And, and so we see this steady and, and, and sustainable uh, improvement in performance. And some really some really great examples. Here, I'm going to talk to Justin about his best-selling book, Inspire, Influence, Sell. Now, that leads me very nicely onto you being a best-selling author, Justin. Mm. Inspire, Influence, Sell. Tell me all about it. <laughs> so this book, this book's been in my, it was in my mind for a long time. Um, I, I've kind of had the model, the structure. Um, I built a program for my clients and it wasn't until lockdown 2020 so March 2020 when everything slowed down and we had uh, a kind of this pause in business certainly the I had a pause in my business and it made me stop and reflect and think about how I could do something that perhaps became more of an asset for my customers more of a reference point something that helped me to get all the the thoughts that were in my own mind out onto paper so I started writing the detail of the book. I already had a draft manuscript, but I hadn't really taken it seriously until that point. So in March 2020, I started getting serious about writing it. And I spent a couple of months doing drafts and redrafts. And uh, while I was quiet in between different client um, programs and, uh, and sessions. And then in June, I started talking to a publisher who said, oh, we like, yeah, we really like the content, like the model. And, and by November, uh, it was published. So November 2020, the book was published and it's called Inspire, Influence, Sell. It really is about consultative selling. It's the, the subtitle is Master the Psychology, Skills and Systems of the World's Best Sales Teams. And it was aimed at sales organisations and sales leaders. But actually, it's become it's become quite a phenomenon, actually. It became a bestseller in the in the month of launch, first month of launch, which I'm incredibly proud of. Well done, you. I, yeah. I was, yeah, absolutely over the moon. I've really great support from my from my network, from my peers, from people um, who, who I've worked with over the years. I've got so many people reached out to me and said, I'm going to buy a copy. And, and actually, they did. <laughs> they didn't just say it, they did it, which is always a bonus. But <clears throat> it's been used by so many different people. And I get it's incredible. At least once a week, I'll get a message from somebody who says, um, oh, Justin, I've just finished your book. I, I used it in this context. I've got a friend who used it to to um, work through his job interview process, to think about how to communicate his value, to, to think about the questions he asked in that interview stage and got this amazing job as a result and came back to me afterwards and said, that is a communication model above a sales model. So it's really, it's really interesting, the, the different perspectives. Uh, I have many dental clients, as you know, dentists, dental professionals who have read it and say, I, I, I'm using the, the content, it really works. Um, that, that's kind of inspired me so much that I've rewritten the book. So in the last six months, I've been rewriting Inspire, Influence, Sell as a manual for dentists, uh, TCOs, practice managers, anybody who's engaging the patient in a conversation about treatment options 
to, to think about the direct application in a practice. And so that book will launch early January 2022, and it, it will be called Inspire Consult Cell, and it will be about how to master consultative communications as practice teams. So it's it's become qu quite a, an asset to me in my business and to my clients, so much so that we'll have a second version uh, ready in the next month or so. Well, that's absolutely superb. And make mm. sure that you tell me when it's ready so that we can help support you. Because we work with many clients mm. who need exactly the kind of help that you're giving people. Um, and obviously, we, if we can help in any way to, to put that out to people that need your advice and guidance, you know, it would be our pleasure to do so. Talking now about the biggest challenges Justin sees his clients facing. Yeah, there's, th there's three things, three themes that seem to come up. Um, number one, I think, is being able to, as a, as a manager of a dental practice or as a, you know owner of a dental practice, being able to have the capacity, the focus and the ability to manage the practice, not only as a, as a you know, clinically excellent dental practice, but as a, as a successful business. That's a real challenge. It, it's something that needs intentional focus and it needs some uh, support and guidance because uh, as dentists, uh, business skills training ha hasn't been part of the curriculum at university and, and isn't likely to be. So actually taking on the practice as a business is a really important part of leadership and, and practice ownership. And I think, you know, in the past, a number of my clients have said to me in the past, they felt that the way that dentistry was structured, actually running a successful practice as a business almost could happen by default. You'd have to make a lot of errors to, to make a mistake of it. But with the increased competition, with some of the restrictions on fees, if you've got an NHS contract, uh, it's become more and more difficult. And actually, we know that running a practice successfully, building a profitable practice, providing the right patient experience, having a team that motivated, engaged and aligned, attracting, retaining and recruiting staff is really, really challenging for people at the moment. So one of the key ways in which business owners can overcome that challenge is to improve their own leadership capability, improve the patient experience and start to think about how they are part of the attraction that the, you know a practice uh, has for potential employees and existing employees. So you've got managing as a business, you've got alignment of staff and engagement and motivation, cl clear expectations, all of those things that are not straightforward. Um, no. Managing businesses, if you could just manage a business, you can you can learn to do that, to manage a business as a practice and engage staff and keep everybody happy, motivated and engaged. That's when it gets just a, a little more complicated. So we, we talk about ways in which we can do that much more effectively. And of course, taking a coaching leadership style is one of the ways that we that we support our customers to do that. And then the third thing that comes up over and over again, certainly in the last 18 months, is this, uh, I guess a lot of my um, customers call it uh, direct the direct-to-consumer or direct-to-patient model. And that is the amount of suppliers in the market now selling kind of self-treatment options. And, and actually, when a patient now inquires at a practice, one of the first kind of things they lead with is the price they've seen on the Internet uh, without doing a real comparison or considering all of the nuances. You know, I'm, I'm going to treat myself as a patient versus going to see a professional who's, who's you know, trained for, for five to, to seven years plus their specialty, plus all the other investments they make in the practice, the team. 
And it's being able to articulate that to a patient and being able to have a conversation with a patient so they don't feel like they're being sold to, but they are being made aware that actually they're not making a, a like-for-like comparison and being able to articulate the differences really clearly so that the patient starts to become more aware of what's really uh, valuable as part of the dental professional offering or the practice offering versus buying a solution off the internet. And that's it sounds, again, these, these things sound like straightforward conversations, but when you're dealing with the public or you're dealing with patients, it's never quite as easy as it seems. So teaching an approach that we know works where we, you know, we refrain from pitching how great we are. We just get curious with the patient. We ask them some questions that get them to really reflect on the differences, on the result they're looking for, on why it's important that they take everything into consideration and then being able to explain to them, here, here are the differences that our practice offers. And that, that change in approach really does enable teams to be more confident about handling that inquiry. Because in the first instance, when someone calls and says, you know, I can, I can get, you know, I can get Invisalign for 1500 pounds and actually it's not Invisalign. It's nowhere, it's nowhere near Invisalign. How, how, training teams, how to handle that conversation is really important because in the first instance, they just they start to just kind of almost go, well, we do this, we do that, as is different because of that. And the patient sees it as defensiveness. And when the patient senses that defensiveness, it always backs up their decision to go towards a, a lower priced option. So training teams how to handle that is really important. And so they're, they're the three key challenges that we help people overcome at the moment. Cool. And it's all mm. about inspiring teams with confidence isn't it because mm, I, yes. I've been in a sales environment for virtually all my professional life and I remember when I used to work in the bank we had no real in-depth training but all we were encouraged to do was upsell mm. and I think historically um, staff at dental practices feel that they have to upsell they have to bring in more revenue but it's it's having the confidence as you say to explain what the products are and not just come across as being purely salesy and explaining mm. the options and the benefits. And that's obviously where TCOs come in. But mm. I think that the educating of teams is so important because, as you said, a lot of people work in their business, but very few work on their business. Mm. But it doesn't just reach to the, to the principal. It goes to the whole team as well. Mm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, so when a dental practitioner comes to you and they like the sound of everything that you do, and why would they not? Let's be honest, it sounds a marvellous services that you offer. Are there different types of the training model that go to the team or is it something that you work with with the principal and then he relays it to the team? Do you have group training sessions? How does it work? Mm. So I, I work with groups and we tend to use groups of practices. So we build cohorts of people that are on, on our programs. And, it, and it's a kind of blended approach. So there are there are assets. So we have a, I'll, I'll send, a, we'll put a link in the show notes if we may, Lily, to a resource that I've got called the Patient Experience Scorecard. And that initial scorecard, I'll send you the link afterwards, uh, Lily, and we can we can uh, invite people to take it. It's completely free of charge. And what it does is it's, it's a series of statements that teams can, measure themselves against, they just score themselves against each of these statements. And at the end, they'll then get a report that shows them where they can start to focus on development. And we we use that as a kind of first step in the conversation with a, with a customer or potential customer. And, and even if they don't go any further with us at that point, 
actually what they've got is a really nice report that shows them where they are scoring in key areas around their mindset, around the connecting with people and patients, around the consultative process and the conversation that they take uh, and thinking about all of the different key components of having the right conversation with patients and creating an optimal experience. Um, the, the second stage then is if they want to get a copy of the book, because the book will be out shortly, the book will explain all of the different elements and components of taking that consultative approach. We then have um, an online program. So the online program is modular. So modules are anywhere between kind of five and 15 minutes. And practice teams can work through those modules step by step. And it takes them through a really nice process that enables them to get much clearer about the consultative communication with patients and each other as teams, actually. It's not just about those patient conversations. And we then invite people who want to come on to our full program. They get access to a monthly kind of consultative mastermind call where we bring together the whole cohort and we're running through key principles, talking them through the structure and the program and over 12 monthly sessions, we basically enable them to really deep dive into that consultative approach. And they'll be part of a wider cohort where they'll kind of get to meet other practice leaders, other practice teams who are looking to improve their consultative communication as well. And we do it over a longer period of time because I don't know if you've been on one or two day sales training or any other training programs, Lily, and you kind of go, you go into those sessions, you hear a lot of information, you go away with some great intention and a, and a notebook full of notes, and you probably implement 10 to 20% of what you've learned because you kind of get a bit overwhelmed. So, so what we, what we do as part of our program structure is we, we, we break it down into monthly sessions so that people can have, have a kind of bite-sized chunk, couple of hours with us, learn the details, learn that, that stage of our pro principles and process, have some time to go away and apply it, come back the next month, check in on progress, and then learn the next layer. And over 12 months, that's a really impactful and effective way of learning the content and having the chance to not only apply it, but get some support to apply it in between the sessions as well. Excellent. That's very good. Mm. Um, and obviously, I know that when we finish off today here, I'll get the details from you how people make contact with you. But it's I mm. think it's important that, you, as you say, you don't overwhelm people with loads mm. of information because the people shut down after a while. There's only so much you can take on board, isn't there? That's but, right. But a general in, installments, bringing it to people generally mm. so they can get used to applying that particular way of working and changes of way of working. It's very good. Here I'm going to be discussing with Justin a couple of really great success stories. Um, I've got a couple actually. One is uh, one is a, a group of um, members of the My Smile Network. I'm uh, I'm really privileged to work with Sandeep Kumar and, uh, and members of his team. We we have an initiative going at the moment called the Diamond Club, which is for practices. There, there we've got a small cohort of four practices, but it's for people who are almost at diamond and they're looking to get to that diamond Invisalign provider status. And what we've been able to do as part of that program, we kind of opened it up as uh, a business coaching program. And, and it, it was fairly um, it was fairly open, actually. We, we said, whatever it is you need us to do to help you improve your uh, performance in terms of Invisalign provision to your patients, then we'll help you. So let's we kind of made it quite an open book. 
And the program has, you know, lead generation and social media marketing management uh, and, and really optimizing their web presence, optimizing the messages to patients, which have been really impactful. I can't take a lot of credit for that. That's been the MySmile team. They really are uh, on it when it comes to helping with that side of, of the, the customer's uh, proposition to market. But where I've been able to help them is to think about getting really clear on the business goals. What are the key metrics that they want to put in place and the key activities they'll run as a practice team. And then we've had a couple of days in person in sessions where we've really looked at our consultative sales process. How do we have the most impactful conversations with patients? We've looked at some of the response times when they get when practices receive an inquiry and the importance of responding quickly and effectively. We've built out some really nice communication templates and we've trained the teams in being able to have those consultative conversations to press, you know, press pause when a patient calls, get curious, ask some really good questions, listen to what the patient tells them, repeat that back to the patient. So you summarise, patient feels understood, they feel really listened to. And then at that point, you can start to have a conversation about treatment. And that simple switch in the approach by the teams has really helped them to you know, increase the number of Invisalign uh, case starts, increase the number of uh, inquiries into the practices. And it's been great to see it's a six month program and we are kind of four months in. So to see the progress in those four months through the teams and, and the work they've done has been, has been great to be part of. Um, and so that's one that I'm particularly proud of. The second is uh, I work with BioHorizons, who are the uh, implant company. And I attended on, um, in May, they have, a, they started a business development program, again, a six month program, started it in May. And I was at the launch event speaking about uh, leadership and coaching. And the, the delegates on that program, there are about 25 people in the room. Uh, the delegates on that program were so pleased with the session that they've asked me on, on Saturday, uh, the 20th of November, I'm going back to close the session. I'm running a full day. We're going deep into coaching as a leadership style, really accelerating performance in a practice. Uh, and and the, the group in that uh, cohort have been you know, on this six month journey and, and to be invited back to kind of close it and run a full day session was, was a real real kind of privilege. So yeah, a couple of really, really, um, for me, you know, personally quite rewarding. Yeah. Finishing off my discussion with Justin, we're going to be talking about the 1% Pledge, a volunteer support group. Yeah, so, so Pledge 1% is, is really interesting, actually. It's, it's an initiative that was originally launched by Salesforce. Salesforce is this, this huge uh, you know, business, this organisation. And Salesforce introduced this initiative within their own organisation where they encouraged employees to give 1% of their time or resources to a, to a worthwhile cause. And when you think about 1%, actually, Pledge 1% is equivalent to about a day a quarter. And Salesforce, made, it was so successful within Salesforce, they actually spun it out as a separate organisation. So they've, they've funded it. It's become a charitable organisation. It's called the 1% Pledge. So I, I signed up to that uh, around a year ago. And so I donate 1% of my time. Actually, it's a bit more than 1% of my time, but it but it's kind of enables me to use the 1% Pledge. Um, and back in December last year, I contacted a group. There's a group founded in Essex called Walk and Talk for Men. And it is a, a volunteer organisation, charitable group, where basically they uh, lead local community groups of men to walk and talk about what's on their mind. And, and one of the reasons this is so valuable is because it wasn't until I got involved in the group that I kind of went a bit deeper into it. But 
Uh, it's all about suicide prevention and enabling men to talk. And I, I didn't realize the numbers were so high, but around five and a half thousand people commit suicide in, in, in England each year. And of that five and a half thousand, 75 percent of them are men. So, so the, the, there's a disproportionate amount of men commit suicide. And one of the key issues that seems to cause it is that men don't talk about what's on their mind. They bottle it up. They hold that pressure in until, until you know, it, it becomes too much for them to bear. And they feel like the only answer is to, to either do something drastic or take their life. And it's a really, really important topic. And, and we need to kind of talk about it more. One, one of the things that we do as a group, so there's a, it's a volunteer group. We're all the way across the country now. And I run the Cambridgeshire branch is we I meet uh, twice a month so um, I've got another chap called Steve Whitney who's volunteered with me and we lead a walk each month so every two weeks we have a group of men meet us at a local nature reserve in Cambridgeshire and we meet on a Sunday and my group meets at 9 9:30. we all meet I do a round of introductions we're getting uh, we're getting about 20 men each each session so it's really become quite a popular uh, event and meeting for, for men in the local Cambridgeshire community and we literally just walk I, I do a quick introduction make sure everybody knows who everybody is we make sure everybody's comfortable and then we just invite people to to you know select a partner uh, and I, I normally just say you know if there's someone here you like the look of <laughs> go and say hello and let's have a walk around and we walk the nature reserve for about 90 minutes and as it's such a simple thing to do but the impact it's made, the notes I get from family members of people who are in the group saying, you know, my husband or my dad has just changed so much since he's been coming to your walks. It just seems to help him decompress and process things. He's pleased to have some friends. Um, he, he seems to be able to just talk more easily about what's on his mind now. And, it, you know, it really is sometimes it's the, the, the small actions we take, the simple things we do that make the biggest difference. And I, I have to say, it's one of the things that, you know, the last in my career over the last 30 odd years, this is probably one of the things I'm most proud of is setting up this group, establishing a local community and, get, and getting such a positive response from the people that join us. And we really do feel like we are making a difference to um, to, to men and their lives in our local area. So I, I, I hope your listeners enjoyed that. And if anybody would like to get involved or if anybody would like any more information, uh, please feel free to contact me. Um, so it's Justin Lee, L-E-I-G-H. And I can be found at Focus for Growth, which is my business. The, the four is a number four. So the easiest way to get hold of me is through the website, www.focusforgrowth.co.uk. And it's one of those things that I think as I feel inspired to have done it. And I would encourage your listeners, it may not be exactly the same, you know, it might not be running a men's mental health group, but whatever it is that, you know, kind of ignites you, makes you feel purposeful, makes you feel like you're contributing, go ahead and kind of get involved. It really does. It makes a difference to, the, to our local communities. It makes you feel good about something that you're doing that contributes and, and it really does make a difference. So I'd encourage anybody who's got any ideas, just um, you know, throw away your reservations and just go for it. People will really be grateful. I agree. Never underestimate mm. the smallest acts of kindness because to mm. somebody else, it's absolutely huge, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Justin, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed it. Um, mm, again, pleasure. anything at all we can do to help, certainly with the um, Walk and Talk for Men as well, to, yeah, to spread the word, you know, where I am. And um, you, I look forward very much to hearing from you in the new year with the revised version of Inspire, Influence and Sell. And um, thanks again for talking to me. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure for me too. Thanks so much, Lily. 
pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>